Hey, family, this is Jesse Romero. One Man Car, Terry and Jesse show. I'm pretty fired up. Last night, I attended an event over here in Phoenix. It was called Catholics for Catholics. It was an evening conference where we had Father James Altman, General Mike Flynn, Steve Bannon, and uh, Blake Masters, some other Arizona candidates that were running for office. But I'll tell you, Catholics for Catholics, this is filling a void <coughs> uh, because a lot of our bishops will not tell people how to vote, and they're not going to take sides, even though the Democrat Party of today violates all of the Catholic Church's non-negotiable issues like abortion, so-called homosexual marriage, uh, euthanasia, cloning, embryonic fetal stem cell research. It's funny, Protestant pastors all day long tell their Protestant congregations how to vote. They're not worried about the IRS. They're not worried about uh, that uh, the, the IRS tax bill that was uh, made into law by Lyndon B. Johnson. But uh, Catholics for Catholics, let me tell you, it's a breath of fresh air. You can watch... You can watch the event last night. Uh, <clears throat> just go to Catholics for Catholics event 10, 13, 22. The, co- the conference was called Moral Courage Wins. Moral Courage Wins. And if you want to see three people who have moral courage, Father James Altman, Steve Bannon, and General Mike Flynn. Three Catholics that have been persecuted by the deep state and the deep church. And these guys have, they have courage in spades. Uh, You know, Fulton Sheen reminded us, who's going to save our church? Not the bishops, not the priests, not the religious. It's up to you people. You have the minds, the eyes, the ears to save the church. Your mission is to see that your priests act like priests, your bishops act like bishops, and your religious act like religious. It seems like with this organization, Venerable Fulton Sheen's uh, predictions... Or prophecies are happening in our time. Because Catholics for Catholics is an organization whose time has come and is so needed in order to teach Catholics how to think and behave like Catholics in the public square. I'll give you an example of the power of of, of unity. Over in Dearborn, Michigan, just like in all the major cities, they're having problems with their woke school board. The woke school board wants to teach them the 1619 Project, uh, critical race theory. They want to have transgenders coming in to read them stories and, and to teach them about sex education. Well, guess what? Over in Dearborn, Michigan, in the city, 500 Muslim males, no females, 500 Muslim males went to the school board meeting. <laughs> and guess what they said? They said, uh, no, you're not going to teach that to our children in Dearborn, Michigan. Guess what? The school board backed down. What I'm saying is that this is a fight that men have to be engaged in. The culture wars, guys have to get off the couch, quit scratching your belly, quit watching ESPN reruns, and quit drinking your six-pack. Catholics have to get engaged in the culture, and women have to stand up right next to their men. Just like the Muslims did in Dearborn, Michigan, and the entire school board stood down. 
And let me talk about the gospel today. And uh, then I'm going to talk to you today about one of the big hot potato issues is the issue of illegal immigration, legal versus illegal immigration. Well, my parents are from Mexico. They're both dead now. I uh, believe they're, th they're in the presence of God, either in purgatory or please God in heaven by all the masses that I've offered, the, uh, the Gregorian masses, the nine rosaries, the nine divine mercies, uh, masses for their anniversary. So I believe they're, 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 in, a way to better, they're in a way to better place than, they, than here. So I'm going to talk about what we used to talk about with my parents about illegal immigration and how dangerous it is to our country. How dangerous it is to the Catholic faith. So you're going to hear it from me, somebody who's a first-generation Mexican in this country. And uh, I'm going to share with you what's wrong with illegal immigration. And you've probably never heard some of the things that I'm going to say. So stay tuned. Today's Gospel, Luke chapter 17, excuse me, Luke chapter 12. Verses 1 to 7, Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. At that time, so many people were crowding together that they were trampling one another underfoot. Jesus began to speak first to his disciples, Beware of the leaven, that is the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. There is nothing concealed that will not be revealed, nor secret that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the darkness will be heard in the light. And what you have whispered behind closed doors will be proclaimed on the rooftops. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but, but after that can do no more. I shall show you whom to fear. Be afraid of the one who, after killing, has the power to cast into Gehenna. Yes, I tell you, be afraid of that one. Are not five sparrows sold for two small coins? Yet not one of them has escaped the notice of God. Even the hairs of your head have all been counted. Do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. That's Luke chapter 12, verses 1 to 7. A couple of things that jump out at me in today's gospel. Our, our Lord is talking about the hypocrisy of the establishment, the leadership of the Old Testament church. And he's talking about the hypocrisy and the vice of the Pharisees. As leaven permeates dough, the teaching of the Pharisees and the example of the Pharisees influences the crowds in a sinful manner, in a disastrous way, especially when they fail to preach what they preach, their sins will be brought to light at the last judgment. You know, I'm telling you, any bishop or priest, mostly bishops that are reading today's gospel, I hope they're paying attention because this speaks directly to their situation. Many bishops are giving us a bad example. There's 14 bishops that are pro-LGBT. There's an article on LifeSite News. Pro -bi 14 bishops that are openly pro-LGBT, uh, and they've put this out on their website. You have the Buenos Aires bishops in Argentina that uh, believe that you can receive Holy Communion even though you're, though you're in a second marriage, third marriage with no annulment. You've got the Belgium, the German bishops believe that you should be blessing homosexual so-called marriages. And so this gospel today speaks directly to the leadership, to our President Biden, uh, to uh, Nancy Pelosi, to civil and church leadership. They need to watch it. 
Christ does not put up with hypocrites who are in leadership. He says because their hypocrisy, by their teachings and by their example, it influences many people in a disastrous manner. Also in verse 4 to 5 of today's gospel, where our Lord says, do not fear, where he's talking about, you know, uh, do not fear, but I warn you whom to fear. Fear him who after he has killed has power to cast into hell. In other words, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have no power that they can do. Our Lord is saying, since physical death is only a moderate threat compared to spiritual death, Jesus calls us to have courage in the face of persecution and to be more concerned by the temptations to sin and end up in hell. That's what's worse of all. Also, our Lord talks in verse 7 today, the last verse of today's gospel, why even the hairs of your head are all numbered, fear not, you are you are of more value than many sparrows. In other words, what our Lord is saying that that is that is nothing is hidden to God because God knows everything. Psalm one thirty nine verse one six, He knows and sees everything. He's in all places, and no suffering goes unnoticed by the Lord, according to Psalm twenty one verse eighteen and Acts chapter twenty seven verse thirty four. So therefore, Christian martyrs can therefore look beyond the afflictions of this life to God's final vindication and eternal reward in the next life, as the Bible promises us in Revelation chapter 20, verse 4. Hey, today's the Feast of St. Callistus. Pray for us. So, what do we know about St. Callistus? The cemetery of St. Callistus is perhaps the best-known repository of the remains of the early martyrs. Callistus was its caretaker, and according to the only contemporary account we have of his life, he was a former slave. While he worked at the cemetery and administered the cemetery's affairs, Callistus worked closely with Pope Zephrinus, whom he succeeded, Callistus succeeded as Pope around 217 A.D., According to tradition, Pope Callistus was killed by an anti-Catholic mob in the year 222 AD. And the earliest pope listed in the 4th century list of martyrs uh, is St. Callistus. Callistus was buried on the Aurelian Way. His tomb was rediscovered in 1960. Frescoes from the 6th century bear testimony to his saintly death. Yep, this holy man fought to death for the law of his God, and he did not fear the words of the godless, for he was built on solid rock. St. Callistus or Pope Callistus, pray for us. I'm going to be going into what's the difference between legal and illegal immigration. Uh, What must the Catholic reject and what can a Catholic accept? We'll be right back. Stick around. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Psalm 33, blessed the people the Lord has chosen to be his own. Amen. 
So I want to give you my thoughts on legal versus illegal immigration. This is a hot button issue, especially right now during the uh, during the elections that are in about three and a half weeks. On some positions, cowards ask the question, is it expedient? And expedience comes along and asks the question, is it political? Well, vanity asks the question, is it popular? But conscience asks the question, is it right? And there comes a time when one must take a position that is neither safe, nor polite, nor popular, but one must take it because it is right, said Reverend Martin Luther King. So what I'm about to say is neither safe nor polite nor popular, but what I believe is right as a practicing Catholic Christian. Or but what I know is right, actually, and I believe it, I know it's right, based on natural law, common sense, and even the church's teachings. There's a Catholic principle in moral theology which teaches the following, quote, We can never do evil to bring about good, close quote. St. Paul clearly teaches this principle in Romans chapter 3, verse 8. He teaches that, uh, he teaches, And why not do evil that good may come, close quote. And in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 1753, The Catechism tells us a good intention does not make behavior that is intrinsically sinful and evil, such as lying and calumny, calumny, good or just. In other words, the end does not justify the means. Thus, the condemnation of an innocent person cannot be justified as a legitimate means of saving the nation. On the other hand, a bad intention such as vainglory, makes an act evil that in and of itself can be good. So let's, let's break this down. Let me apply St. Paul's principles to the issue of illegal immigration. St. Paul's principle is you cannot do evil. That is, for example, break the immigration law and cross the border in order to bring about some good. What's the good? Well, you leave your wife and kids for a foreign country to work and make money to send it back home. Now, what is not mentioned is that a Hispanic or Latino who leaves this country of origin will now leave their kids fatherless and the wife without the physical presence and protection of her husband. No St. Joseph in the house. The Latino male will now enter the United States by himself replete with every temptation under the sun to the 10th power. Now, let's be realistic. After an illegal immigrant in this country pays his rent, utilities, groceries, postage, vehicle, gas, etc., how much money does he actually send his family in South America or Latin America? Isn't it better to remain physically present with your family and grind it out together in your country of origin? Remember what Father Peyton said back in the 60s, the family that prays together stays together. Yes, I get it. Families need money to survive. 
But what's more important is to have their father and husband physically present with them to teach them virtue, even in conditions of poverty. A man's vocation is to lead, protect, and provide for his family spiritually and physically. Bigamy is a huge problem in the Latino community. Huge. Amongst illegal immigrants, especially. In other words, bigamy is having a family in the U.S. and a family in South America at the same time. This is common. Just ask any Catholic priest who hears confessions and ministers in a, in a Latino parish. This is the big pink elephant in the living room that nobody wants to talk about. Here's something else about illegal immigration. You know who profits from this? The Mexican drug cartels. I recently saw a screening of a movie that's coming out April 2023. It's called The Sound of Freedom. It's made by Catholic actor-director Eduardo Verastegui, Verastegui and Alejandro Monteverde. This movie shows the diabolical world of adult and child sex trafficking. And here are some mind-blowing facts I learned from the director at, at, at this special screening that I attended to uh, two weeks ago in Tucson, Arizona. Number one. Mexico is the largest exporter of child sex trafficking in the world. Number two, the USA, <coughs> the USA, no surprise, is the largest consumer of child sex trafficking. Number three, 80% of women that come across the border are raped by the Mexican cartels. After the women are raped, the Mexican cartels, in order to humiliate them, hang their underwear of the victim on a tree branch or a bush. Guess what? I've seen pictures of the desert and video footage. There are thousands of women's underwear hanging on trees in the deserts of the United States Southwest Territory. Number four. Because of the Mexican cartels, human trafficking <clears throat> worldwide, by the way, is an $150 billion a year business. The movie that I watched, Sound of Freedom, directed by Eduardo Verastegui and Alejandro, Alejandro Monteverde, this movie is exposing what Jeffrey Epstein was doing in his Epstein Island is truly an international diabolical problem. So, let me go back to, <clears throat> let me go back to um, talking about illegal immigration versus legal immigration. The two main categories in this debate are, again, legal immigrants and illegal immigrants. Those that believe in the rule of law and lawbreakers. Those are the two categories. Those that believe in the rule of law and lawbreakers. The government has a moral and legal obligation to protect the due process rights of the people who immigrate here legally. And on the flip side, the government has the right to prevent immigration from those who cross our borders illegally. 
this is not anti-immigration. In fact, it's very pro-immigration. It's not Catholic or Christian to advocate for irresponsible immigration. Immigration to be of any help to immigrants and the host country requires order, knowledge, and balance, and following the rule of law. There are many honest people from different countries, Mexico included, that are trying to follow the rules and immigrate to this country legally, but their application is kept from ever being processed because the current census does not allow for more applications to be processed. Why? Because here in the U.S., we're being overrun by illegal immigrants, especially under Mr. Joe Biden, mainly from the Southwest. Our schools, jails, welfare, hospitals, labor jobs are being pushed to the limit and in large part because of this influx of illegal immigrants. In fact, the cost of providing social, medical, law enforcement, and educational services to illegal, illegal aliens from every level, level of government is estimated at an astounding $113 billion per year. $113 billion per year. Now, some people will say, but illegal immigrants, they also pay taxes to this country every year. Absolutely, you're right. Maria Teresa Kumar, CEO and president of Voto Latino, Kumar said, quote, undocumented immigrants pay $12 billion of taxes every single year. But how much do they use? $113 billion per year is what illegal immigrants use in this country. They pay only $12 billion of taxes every single year. Now, I'm quoting a left-leaning research organization which estimated that undocumented immigrants paid about, again, $12 billion in total taxes, while a conservative think tank pegged it at about $17.6 billion a year. We're a generous country, by far the most generous country in the world. In fact, during the Fox News interview back in 2012, I was watching Senator Marco Rubio, from, uh, um, he's a senator from Florida. He discussed immigration, and he said the following. He said, quote, a million people a year come into the U.S. legally. No other country even comes close to that figure. Guess what? The, uh, the media... Uh, checked his claim and they verified that it was absolutely true. The left and the right media verified that a million people a year come into the U.S. legally. No other country even come close to that figure. Now, I know that some people get offended when they hear the word alien. However, the word alien is used in the Holy Bible as a descriptive word for a stranger or someone from another family or clan. In fact, the Mexican Constitution also uses the word alien for non-Mexican citizens. Look it. I'm 
I'm American of Mexican descent. My parents are from Mexico, both of them. And the majority of my family is from Mexico or lives in Mexico. I'm a retired Los Angeles deputy sheriff. My wife is a retired Los Angeles county nurse. And we've seen this abuse firsthand. Again, we, Americans of Mexican descent, we have a difficult time accepting this truth simply because we see this in terms of skin color and race instead of objectively. For the liberals, race becomes the apex of victimhood and our brown skin becomes our truth, even above our Christianity. Well, not for me. Not at all. Most Latinos believe that the immigration issue is racially motivated because this is the constant narrative they hear from the liberal Hispanic mainstream media and the English liberal mainstream media. I'll continue on my reflections, legal versus legal immigration. Stick around. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. Uh, Today is the feast day of St. Pope Callistus. Pray for us. And as Catholics, let's not forget, St. Padre Pio says, pray, hope, and don't worry. Worry is useless. What is needed is trust. That's exactly what we need. What is needed is it's trust in the Lord. Throughout the day, just fire off one of those arrow prayers and say, Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. Remember, as the Crusaders would tell us in the Middle Ages, Christus vinci, Christus reinat, Christus imperat. Christ conquers, Christ reigns, Christ commands. And that's the way it's going to all end. So, my reflections on illegal immigration. Uh, I think most Latinos believe that the immigration issue is racially motivated because they're constantly hearing this from the mainstream Hispanic media and even the, lib- the liberal English, the liberal, Hispa- the liberal um, media as well, liberal mainstream media. And let's just be honest. The Democrat Party benefits from illegal immigration because they pander them by promising them entitlements, thereby gaining their vote, gaining their support. This is why a couple of years ago, a Spanish radio talk show host uh, named uh, Piolin, he was able to marshal one million Hispanics to protest in the streets of Los Angeles over an immigration bill in California back in 2006 when I still lived there. I have no doubt that many of the protesters were illegal. Uh, By the way, Mexico's constitution strictly forbids non-citizens from protesting against the Mexican government. In Article 33 of Mexico's constitution, it says the following, quote, foreigners may not in any way participate in the political affairs of the country, close quote. Article 9 of the Mexican Constitution says, Only citizens of the Republic may do so to take part in the political affairs of the country. Close quote. So notice, the Mexican Constitution expressly forbids 
non-citizens from participating in the country's political life. Non-citizens are forbidden to participate in demonstrations or express opinions in public about domestic politics. Can you imagine if we enforce that over here? Now, let's move on to the spiritual. The Catechism of the Catholic Church does not support illegal immigration. However, the Church does support immigration reform. The Church is encouraging and praying that a just resolution is found and enacted. I say we go to St. Thomas's, uh, his decrees on, on um, or, or his protocol on immigration. Maybe I'll share it with you a little bit later. And uh, basically, President Trump was following St. Thomas's protocol on immigration and how to secure your borders. But uh, the church, again, we should always pray and, uh, and ask the Lord to enact the corporal works of... We should always also pray for, you know, people that are less fortunate than us and enact the corporal works of mercy towards our fellow human beings. This is what's called the golden rule given to us by our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that's not to say that, uh, that there are not some liberal progressives in the church who support illegal immigration. Many Catholics, even within the clergy, I know like Roger Mahoney, retired cardinal, they've been infected with liberation theology, which is a combination of Catholicism with concepts uncritically borrowed from Marxist ideology, which uses a biblical hermeneutic marked by extreme rationalism, which are at the basis of the new interpretation, which is corrupting whatever was authentic in the generous initial commitment on behalf of the poor. Liberation theology actually developed in South America and Central America, and that is why many Hispanic Catholics in this country have been infected with. The different theologies of liberation are situated between the preferential option for the poor on the one hand and the temptation to reduce the gospel to an earthly gospel on the other hand. Certain aspects of liberation theology have been officially condemned by the Magisterium Sacred Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith back in August 6, 1984, for example. Moreover, many Catholics have been infected with the error or the heresy of antinomianism, which means, in Greek, it means against law. This is a heresy that says, because I believe in Jesus, I don't have to follow the moral, natural, or divine law. In fact, the Catechism says that all immigrants, legal and illegal, are called to obey the laws of the country that has taken you in. Unfortunately, Many of the baptized are low-information Catholics who don't read the Catechism or the Bible. Therefore, they get caught up in leftist political causes because they listen to the left-wing propaganda from the Spanish media, and they're led by the nose. This is the classic case of the blind leading the blind, as our Lord Jesus Christ stated in Matthew chapter 15, verses 14. Now, The vast majority of of Americans of Mexican descent, like myself, have no problem with immigration. We're a country of immigrants. We have a problem with illegal immigration. I don't want illegal Arabs. 
I don't want illegal Nigerians, illegal Russians, illegal Armenians, illegal Chinese, illegal Vietnamese, Brazilians, Irish, Syrians, Iraqis, or Mexicans. It is wrong to enable people to have contempt for laws. We're a country that functions much more efficiently than any other country because of the rule of law. Lax immigration law encourages a lawless society. Catholics should be against anything that is illegal in a free society, provided the law is just. I find no contradiction between my Catholic faith and my support for the rule of law. Of course, we have to protect the dignity of every human person, which I believe the U.S. immigration law does just that. Every country has the right to define its own borders and to develop laws to defend them. In my view, amnesty for illegal immigrants would be a disaster for America. Why? Well, number one, it rewards illegal behavior. Number two, it shows contempt for the rule of law, thus weakening the respect for law, not only among immigrants, but among all Americans. Amnesty is a slap in the face to the millions of people around the world who line up and play by the rules to enter America legally. Truth be told, the Democrats are relying on Hispanic voters, legal and illegal, to be a rock-solid voting bloc in favor of their leftist candidates and laws for years to come. And so, what better way to curry favor with Hispanic voters than by granting backdoor amnesty to millions of illegal aliens, this secures the Democrats' positions of power. It's exactly what it is. This secures the Democrats' positions of power. But Catholics, Latinos are waking up. Moreover, most people don't know that Cesar Chavez was a longtime foe of illegal immigration. Cesar Chavez himself was a third-generation American citizen and a Navy veteran. Although he has become over time virtually the patron saint of the Reconquista movement to reclaim all of the Southwest for Mexico, in his prime, Cesar Chavez was an ardent opponent of illegal immigration and actively fought against the importation of strike breakers from Mexico. Cesar Chavez understood the basic laws of supply and demand in Economics 101. The greater the supply of labor, the less demand, and hence the lower the wages. Just as the founder of the American Federation of Labor, Samuel Gompers, was an influential voice calling for the immigration restricting law of 1924, so Cesar Chavez openly and actively opposed illegal immigration because it crippled his ability to unionize farm workers and increase their wages. In 1979, testimony to Congress, Cesar Chavez complained. He said the following, quote, When the farm workers strike and their strike is successful, the employers go to Mexico and have unlimited, unrestricted use of illegal alien strike breakers to break the rule. And for over 30 years, the Immigration and Naturalization Service has looked the other way and assisted in strike breaking. 
I do not remember one single instance in 30 years where the immigration service has removed strike breakers. The employers use professional smugglers to recruit and transport human contraband across the Mexican border for the specific act of strike breaking, close quote. And in 1969, Cesar Chavez actually led a march to the Mexican border to protest illegal immigration. He was accompanied by Senator Walter Mondale and Ralph Abernathy whom alert readers will recognize as Martin Luther King's successor as head of the Southern Leadership Conference. Cesar Chavez demanded that the federal government close the border, routinely reported suspected illegal immigrants to immigration officials, and he put his brother in charge of Minutemen-like border patrols, which on more than one occasion resulted in the beatings of intruders. Having borders is something that defines a country. I mean, go back to biblical history. When the Jews returned back to their homeland after being exiled for 70 years in Babylon, Nehemiah, the governor of the Jews, organized the Jews to rebuild the wall of the the city of Jerusalem. For a city without a wall was hardly a city at all. It could be conquered easily. Let's use some border, let's use some common sense issue or let's, let's use some common sense on the border issue. My name is Jesse Romero. I'll be right back talking about my reflections on legal versus illegal immigration. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, Here's Terry and Jesse. The royal praise of the Crusaders throughout history. Christus vincit, Christus reinat, Christus imperat. Christ conquers, Christ reigns, Christ commands. I'm sharing with you my reflections on illegal immigration. Again, having borders defines a country. Let's use a little bit of common sense here on the border issue. Do you have a front door to your house? Do you close it and lock it? Why? Hmm. That's the same reason a country must secure its borders. In ancient times, the walled city was the people's protection against marauders of all sorts. The walls in heaven afford us the protection against the most dreaded of marauders, which is evil and death. So what about the biblical admonition to welcome the stranger found in Matthew chapter 25, verses 35? The Greek word for stranger is xinos, which the little Scott Jones classical Greek dictionary recounts several instances from Homer to Sophocles that xinos refers to an invited guest. Whenever the word Zynos refers to a foreigner, a formal invitation, even a treaty, often precedes the visit. In Thayer's Greek lexicon, the word Zynos, again, all the way from Homer down, means masculine, a guest friend. On the USCCB website, 
they comment on Matthew chapter 25, verse 35. They write, Scholars are divided in their response and arguments can be made for either side. But leaving aside the problem of what the traditional material that Matthew edited may have meant, it seems that a stranger, a stronger case can be made for the view that in the evangelist sense, the sufferers are Christians, probably Christian missionaries whose sufferings were brought about upon them by their preaching of the gospel. In other words, the commentary says that, that people that Jesus was talking about that were suffering, thirsty and hungry, naked and being, well, and being welcomed were Christian missionaries. These were the strangers who became the invited guests. Okay, not some uh, unknown person that's slamming heroin uh, and lives under the freeway and uh, refuses to work and is in and out of prison and has all kinds of drug and alcohol issues. That's not the stranger that the Bible calls us to bring into your home. So what about mercy? In Scripture, mercy never, never comes without repentance. I believe mercy can easily be practiced while supporting the rule of law. There's no conflict in mercy and the rule of law. For example, in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 6 to 10, the Bible says, For the Lord disciplines him whom he loves, and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you're left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they discipline us for a short time at their pleasure, but He, God, disciplines us for our good, that we may share in His holiness. Archbishop Gomez, back in 2008, he addressed this subject to the Missouri Catholic Conference, their annual assembly. His speech was called, Let Your Hospitality and Good Words Abound. He said, The fact is that millions of immigrants are here in blatant violation of U.S. law. This makes law-abiding Americans angry, and it should. Why should they obey laws if others aren't punished for breaking them? As advocates, we can't ignore this fact or somehow argue that our immigration laws don't matter. We have to make sure that our laws are fair and understandable at the same time, we have to insist that our laws be respected and enforced. Those who violate our laws have to be punished. This was Archbishop Jose Gomez of Los Angeles. Wow. Sounds like uh, if I wouldn't have told you that it was Archbishop Gomez, you would have said, that's ah, probably some right-winger. <laughs> Pope Benedict the 16th spoke on immigration back in 2010. He said the right to immigrate must be considered in this context. The church recognizes this right in every human person in its dual aspect of the possibility to leave one's country and the possibility to enter another country to look for better conditions of life. At the same time, states have the right to regulate migration flows and to defend their own frontiers, always guaranteeing the respect due to the dignity of each and every human person. 
Immigrants, moreover, have the duty to integrate into the host country, respecting its laws and its national identity. The challenge is to combine the welcome due to every human being, especially when in need, with a reckoning of what is necessary for both the local inhabitants and the new, new arrivals to live a dignified and peaceful life. Now, some people will undoubtedly ask, Jess, how can you as a Mexican-American speak out like this and expose all of Mexico's unjust immigration laws? You need to back up the race, Jesse. You know something? I don't look at the world through racial bifocals. I look at life with the heart of a, cat, of a Roman Catholic Christian. Remember, we're saved by grace and not race. Viktor Frankl, a Nazi concentration camp prisoner and survivor, he said it best in his book, Man's Search for Meaning. He says, quote, he was asked if he hated the, Nazis, the Nazi Germans who, who tortured him in the concentration camps. He says, no, there are only two races of men, decent and indecent men, close quote. We should never lower the bar for anyone. We should always set the bar high and encourage each other to take the moral high ground. Now, I must admit, I have empathy for those people who live in corrupt third world countries. I get it. I certainly don't know how they feel. Maybe this is the, this is the cross God gave them to be sanctified and saved. After all, life on earth is described as in Psalm 23 verse 4, the valley of the shadow of death. In the prayer of the Hail Holy Queen, there's a phrase where we say, in this valley of tears. Job chapter 7 verse 1 in the Dewey Reams Bible, it says, The life of man upon earth is warfare. And the Catechism of the Catholic Church says, The whole world is in the power of the devil. This makes man's life a battle. Paragraph 409. At times I ask myself, this country's killed well over 60 million babies through abortion and, and counting. Is it possible that divine providence has permitted a multitude of people to come here illegally from South America in order to re-evangelize English-speaking Catholics in the U.S.? I don't know. I know that St. John Paul II had a great esteem for Mexico as a country always faithful to Christ. Mexico has received from God much faith to share and hand on to other nations. And each Mexican Catholic should certainly be an evangelizer in his own country, but also an evangelizer in other countries and continents where the faith is now tepid or where Christ is not known. Unfortunately, most Hispanic Catholics that I have met are as uncatechized as their English-speaking co-religionists and just as secular. So what do you expect? A first-generation Mexican-American to the USA is subjected to a values clarification public school education, being taught moral relativism in our public schools from kindergarten to college. And this is where we lose most of our Catholic kids. I, re I, I regret, and we need to go back to reading, writing, and arithmetic in the public schools. But now our public schools major in recycling, reproductive rights, relativism, and transgender. Public schools seem to be seminaries of the left, and they indoctrinate our kids against the moral teachings of Holy Mother Church and the Holy Bible. And so as Catholics, as Archbishop Chaput said during a visit to Nashville years ago, he said, bishops can't tell politicians what to do, 
but Catholic voters can. Moreover, political leaders respond to pressure from citizens, and Catholics ought to demand respect for our religious values. Catholics must demand, just like the Muslims did over in Dearborn, Michigan. And so as a Catholic, pray and labor. Pray and labor. Remember, elections are right around the corner. God is calling us to a life of holiness and to a life of prayer. But also, you got to roll up your sleeves. You've got to become informed of the issues and the candidates. And it's pretty simple. I just don't vote for any Democrats, period. You see what they're doing to our country. Also, make sure you register to vote. Vote on election day also. And don't take for granted the power to vote. Many people died. Their civil wars were fought so that we can have the the right to vote. Also, get behind men and women of integrity and men and women of faith. There's a lot of Protestants of goodwill that are running for office, that are pro-life, and they're they're with us as Catholics in the culture war. Also, help your pastor at your parish to inform inform church members through bulletin inserts, through the bulletin, through maybe uh, making posters and putting them outside uh, in the church's, uh, you know, in an area, in a billboard where people read a lot of the church's news. Also contribute your time, talent, and treasure to good Catholic politicians of goodwill, especially Catholics. Also letter writing, emails, phone calls to your senator, to your rep, to your mayor, to your school board, to your political officers. Be willing to give praise where praise is merited and a gentle correction where it's due. And remember, as as Everett Hale, author and clergyman, as he once stated, he said, I am only one, but I am one. I cannot do everything, but I can do something. What I can do, I ought to do. And what I ought to do, by the grace of God, I will do. That's a wrap, family. I'm going to end with the royal praise of the Crusaders in the Middle Ages. Christus vincit, Christus reina, Christus impera. Christ conquers, Christ reigns, Christ commands. Live in a state of grace. Pray rosaries every day. We serve the Virgin Most Powerful, the 12-star general. See you next time. God, same Christ time, same Christ channel. God bless you. Keep the faith. <laughs>